You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. How are you giving your gifts to the world? This is an important question. Last week, we talked about the question, um, what gifts has God given you to give to the world? So discovering your gifts and why discovering your gift to give to the world is so important. This week, I want to talk about how, like, how are we using those gifts? How are you using um, those gifts in the world of your work, in the world of your family, in the world of your neighborhood, the world of your church community? And what's maybe getting in the way of using those gifts. Let's jump into Romans chapter 12, starting verse 1. If you remember, it says, So, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. If we just stop here for a moment, it's it's so important to as a reminder that Jesus the, our high priest, the image bearer who had a, the priestly duty of, of uh, showing what God is like to the world and pointing out the work of God in the world. Jesus, is, as our high priest, didn't sacrifice other people's lives on the cross or on some altar. Jesus was a living sacrifice, and instead of giving other people to an altar or to a cross, gave up his life to die and sacrificially love the world and all the way to the cross. And so I think that's really important. We don't put cro- people on crosses or on altars of our opinions or our theological systems. Um, people who follow Jesus, we follow the way of Jesus to and through the cross, where we love the world self-sacrificially, self-giving love. So we need to live our lives as a gift, the way Jesus did. Verse 2 talks a little bit more about this. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. I encourage you, go back to last week if you weren't a part of that. We break that down even more. In verse 3, it says, because of the grace that God gave to me, writes Paul, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. What's he talking about? Verse 5, in the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually we belong to each other. All these parts, all these pieces, all these people that are part of Christ's church are, are one. They're, they're uniquely individual, but they're also in unity as a community. And I love in verse 6, it says, we have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that he has been given to us. And, and so God, uh, I think, designed us to work together uh, to be unified um, in our diversity. I just love that. Um, this picture of the church having all these parts, all these gifts that come together to be an expression, a picture of Jesus to the world, of God's love to the world. You know, my uh, son and I just started watching an, uh, a show I loved in the 80s. I think they redid this because the cartoon looks way better than it did. But it's called Voltron. 
my son loves it. We're like two episodes in, and I might love it more than him. And Voltron is, uh, it's, it's like this team of, you know, high schoolers that have been given these amazing robot machines. But the most powerful moment happens when they're facing the biggest uh, difficulties and the biggest barriers. Uh, they, they combine all their robots. They combine um, all their powers, and they turn into Voltron. And it's this uh, expression of power, and and uh, they always come out victorious. And my son, whenever Voltron comes out, he starts like acting like Voltron, <laughs> coming together all these pieces, uh, all the the team now, uh, all individual now unity in one, fighting the bad guy. And he loves to fight me, but we love watching that together. But I love the picture of Voltron. The church is supposed to be like Voltron. It's supposed to be like these unique, different gifts coming together in unity and one body. So if you know your 80s lore, uh, be Voltron, not Megatron. So let's keep moving. We all have these gifts of grace God has given us, all of us unique. I mean, there's no one of us that's alike. And uh, to be an expression of God's love in the world, like we're all needed, all of us with our unique gifts. Paul goes on to write, if your gift is prophecy, you should prophesy in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be cheerful. Um, and, And Paul writes all these things, not to give an exhaustive list, like these are the only gifts in the church, but it's just like a, he, he's just, he's talking about like these key gifts and there's so many more. He's given a few examples. Paul doesn't, you know, mention his own gifts in this, like his theological prowess or his missionary gifts or his gifts of writing and thinking. Like there's so many gifts expressed in the church and he writes about other gifts elsewhere. But I think the, the point of this is that there are so many gifts and types of gifts that are within the church, within you, so many different talents experiences, skills, even gifts won through hard loss and challenge, the gifts of your perspective that are needed to help the church. I just want to take a time out and say, if you want some help discovering some of maybe your unique essential gifts that God has, again, uniquely given to you, I want to invite you to go to Growth Track. This is something we do throughout the year. Um, It's just a four-week discovery process together. I love it. And I want to encourage you to go to that to take a time of reflection and discovery for the gifts in your life and how we want to be the church together at Garden City. Now, let's keep moving. An image that we use in our church to think about us as the church is I want you to think about a reservoir. A reservoir is filled with water. What happens in a reservoir when there's no inflow? And what happens when there's no outflow? Things can get kind of stagnant, right? The water can get unhealthy. Now, take that reservoir and add some inflow and some outflow. What happens? The water's healthier. The water can be moved to actually be a life-giving source to other people. And so it is with the church. The church is a reservoir filled with all kinds of gifted people. And when the church isn't giving itself to the world, it can get stagnant, it can get unhealthy, it can even get toxic. So instead of being owners of the gifts of God, the gifts of you know our church and our stuff and maybe my gifts, these are all mine, I'm the owner, I'm the originator, we move from becoming the owner of our gifts 
to the distributor of gifts. We're able to receive and give, receive and give. We become a reservoir that releases a life-giving river um, to our world and into our lives. Now, imagine what it would look like to be a church that recognizes the gifts of those around us, like the gifts in each other, your gifts, their gifts. What if we truly saw each other? You know what it feels like when people really see who you are and they appreciate you and they love you? What if we appreciated and loved each other and empowered those gifts? Imagine that. What if we allowed the gifts of other people to challenge us, maybe in areas that we have blind spots or areas that we need to grow. That's one of the things when we give gifts and receive gifts from others, we grow because we are challenged and we see things in new ways. Imagine a church acting as a living sacrifice for each other, for the life of the world. We're giving of ourselves, growing together, giving our lives to the communities that we live in. Not because it's about us, but because it's about what God has done for us and how much he loves us and how much he loves the world. What would that look like on Sundays to give our gifts to each other? What would that look like in our church to give our gifts throughout the week? Before we keep moving in this passage, I wanted to ask the question, what gets in the way of you giving your gift to the world? What gets in the way? You know, an image comes to mind for me when I think about this. we have this couch we've, that we've had for a long time, and I love that couch because there's been so many good conversations with family and friends who have come over to our house. I remember sitting on that and having people over and having great conversation, and we talked for a long time, and, and then I remember getting up from that couch and going to take a step forward, and like I almost fell over because my leg had totally fell numb. Like I had a total dead leg because I'd been sitting on the lip so long that it cut the blood supply and like the nerve endings, you know, I couldn't feel it at first. And all of a sudden, like it was like pins poking my leg and slowly I had to like limp myself um, and move myself back into having like a normal, healthy leg. I think coming out of the pandemic, if I were to look at the church in some areas, not the full body of the church, but maybe in, in some key areas, there's there's a, a, a dead leg or a dead limb that's that's like had the blood uh, flow cut off or uh, hasn't been used enough. So like the muscle is atrophied. And I think it's time to get moving, to get walking. It's time to um, let <laughs> that blood flow, let the, the nerve endings come back and let the muscle kind of rebuild. I think that's one of the reasons that we exist is to give our lives, be a living sacrifice to the world. But that's hard to do when maybe some of our gifts um, have become numb, have uh, maybe lost some of that muscle mass. So what's getting in the way? Here's a few things that I think we may struggle with in using our gifts. Sometimes we, we prefer speedy and easy over slow and healthy. And so we want to microwave faith rather than a slow-cooked faith. Um, we want to microwave forgiveness. Just forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, rather than doing the hard work sometimes and doing a slow cook that leads to a healthy forgiveness and restored relationships. Sometimes doing whatever easy means that we're going to be too tired to do what is greatest and most loving, so we don't use our gifts. 
Um, sometimes we, we begin to have a, uh, have a scarcity mentality over an abundance mentality. And when we have a scarcity mentality, it's like, I need, to, I need to keep what's mine or I need to preserve, I need to hoard. And so we just hold on to our gifts. And we have these closed fists around what God has given us because we don't believe there's enough. We don't believe that God's going to provide enough. And so we hold on. We don't give our gifts. It's easy to fall into. I'm preaching to myself. Um, in these areas. Another one is uh, consuming over distributing. This idea that like, uh, like faith is about consuming, you know, everything I can, consuming good content, consuming good re- religious goods and services, rather than having this idea that, that being a, a loving, faithful human being made in the image of God is this balance of receiving and giving, being a reservoir that receives and gives. That's where health is found. And so this consumer mentality can take over. Another area that might prevent us from giving our gifts is in the area of power and control. We, we want power and control over service and love. And we begin thinking that we're the owners of our lives rather than the, the managers of our lives. Another area is, is maybe this, this idea that we start um, focusing on being special and superior over being appreciative and thankful. Appreciative and thankful both for commonalities in people and differences. Like, man, we have this in common. I'm so grateful for that. But also learning to be grateful for differences. Sometimes it's hard to be grateful that this person thinks differently, has a different background than me. You know, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. Like learning to be appreciative of the the best and the good and the beautiful in people. This uh, idea of (laughs) focusing on how we're superior or more special than others, puts a focus on like my theology, my creed, my people, my tribe over yours. Um, It also causes this mentality of comparing our gifts because that's what makes us superior and special. It makes me superior and special and feel really special. Um, Comparing our gifts makes us fearful that we are not enough. You know, God only made one of you. The world won't be as beautiful without your unique gifts, your unique contributions. So give your gifts. Another area we might struggle with that prevents us from giving our gifts is that we'd rather look like we're really giving and that we're really caring rather than actually being very giving and caring. So we care that people see that we look virtuous rather than actually being virtuous. And that can be a, that can be a major barrier to like actually practicing giving our gifts away. Are we willing to give our gifts away even if we don't get kudos for it, even if people don't see it? It's so important that we learn to prioritize time, that we, we prioritize giving to others, not only receiving, not only hoarding, but giving and then receiving what others have to give to us. We must give and receive. There is an element of consuming and contributing, a rhythm that happens at the same time so that we can grow and contribute to the growth of others, so that we can seek virtue and also become virtuous. What does a church look like that gives its gifts to each other and to the world? Picking up in verse 9, here's a picture of a church that's a living sacrifice, giving gifts to each other. Love should be shown without pretending. Like, don't pretend to love each other or give the appearance of loving each other. Really love each other. Paul goes on, hate evil and hold on to what is good. 
hate evil, but don't let it further define you by being blind to the good and being unable to focus on the good. Like be defined by the good. Verse 10, love each other like members of your family. Families sit at the table with each other. Families hold tensions together. And families, well, they they love each other through thick and thin because they're family. And then Paul goes on to say, be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't just take honor from others, which was in Paul's cultural time, you, you took honor and you achieved honor at the expense of others. Give honor as a gift with loads of generosity. You might not have many gifts or might not feel like you have many gifts, but you, every one of us can give honor to others, can't we? Verse 11, don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. I love this. Be on fire. Don't pour out, uh, uh, don't pour water on the fire of someone else's excitement and energy and faith. You know, Jesus has lit other people's hearts on fire. And I, I think a, a church alive, there's a growing passion and a growing enthusiasm for the things of go- God's goodness and grace. So let's be a passionate and radically loving community. Verse 12, be happy in your hope. Isn't that a great statement? Be happy in your hope for the future. Because God's like love, God's justice, God's goodness. Man, he's going to make everything right. We can trust in that. So be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. To me, this means live lives of God's future here and now. Practice living the future kingdom of God, the way it's going to be in heaven, here, now, and in the present. This is learning to be a people who practice hope. Practicing hope is treating people how they will be treated in God's future restored world. Let's bring God's kingdom here and now. In verse 13, contribute to the needs of God's people. Like take care of each other and welcome strangers into your home. It holds that tension of, you know, should we take care of the church or should we take care of the world? Right here, Paul says, contribute to the needs of God's people. Take care of those in the church and welcome strangers into your home. Like take care of the stranger, of the outsider people in in the community. Be hospitable and compassionate. Verse 14, bless people who harass you. It's tough. Bless and don't curse them. You know, as the Quakers say, look for that of God in everyone. Look for Christ in the midst of of what you may despise or what you, you may think to be real brokenness. But it may turn out that you're actually looking through broken lenses of your own. You know, the religious people of Jesus' day despised and cursed Jesus simply because they were seeing from a sinful and broken perspective. Don't miss Christ in what you think is a curse. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. All I can say is yes, this. Be human to each other. Verse 16, consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. This is getting at humility. Be humble. Be ready to learn from each other and honor the image of God in everyone, not just your favorite image bearers. Instead of associating with people, Paul says, who have no status, don't think you're so smart. Don't think you're more special than other people, that your group, your tribe are smarter, superior, more special than others. See the specialness and the goodness 
in others, in everybody. And don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions. Don't mirror the energy and evil actions with the same kind of energy and evil, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. Recognize and affirm the goodness in others and other situations, even in the middle of maybe goodness gone wrong. Don't miss the gifts. I want to encourage you to give your gifts to the world, to maybe let God kind of you know, bring life to that limb, to that gift that's grown numb, the muscles maybe atrophied, and let God bring that to life. Give your gifts to the world. The world's not the same without the gifts God has given you to give to the world. And I know coming out of this, the last few years, there's a lot of distrust and hurt and people maybe deconstructing and reconstructing their faith. And sometimes, as I've talked with friends, there can be a fear um, I don't want, I've been hurt and I've seen other people hurt. And so I don't want to contribute toward a system or toward a, uh, a group that harms and hurts other people. Well, I just want to, I want to encourage you not giving your gift because others have, you've seen something that's, that's unhealthy or, or bad. Um, not giving your gift um, makes the world poorer for it. You're poorer for it. We're lesser for it. You're lesser for it. F- Find com- a community that you can give your gifts to. Find ways that you can give your gift. It's uh, In this t- time, there's a lot of distrust and deconstruction of marriage, of family, of churches, of our workplaces. But that doesn't mean that um, the world is, is, is not in need of your gifts. In fact, when we're rethinking and when we're trying to build a healthier world, that's when our gifts are needed all the more. We need to give them wisely, of course. Well, we need to give them generously as well. So I would just want to encourage you, don't give up on giving your gifts that God has given you to give to the world. Would you just reflect on these questions for today? Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.